1: This is The Decision Point. Anand Nanduri is gracing us with his knowledge, his humor, all things Anand today on the show. And we have a huge development, a huge franchise-shaking development. Oh, yeah. Urban Meyer, not the first coach fired. No. Not. No. See, Urban Meyer, not the first coach fired. That was an upset. It was actually the guy with the longest contract.
0: Funnily enough.
1: (laughs) It was the coach with the longest contract got fired first. It's a rare case. It's a rare case. Very rare case. So when we get a rare case, now we have a tumultuous franchise situation, a franchise in crisis. Mike Mayock just had a a news conference. I forgot Mike Mayock was there. HBO Real Sports showed up and failed to interview him. (laughs) It was like he didn't exist. Then they, yeah. then they bring him out and say, hey, Mike, we got to get you in front of the podium. He's like, now? You don't listen to me for three years? Now i got to go out there? Yep. And be the face of the franchise? Yikes. Okay, I'll do it.
0: Yeah. I have notes. I'll read the notes. <laughs> well. Right. I, there's so much to get into with the Raiders, and technically, if we're being technical, because someone in the comments is going to say some slick shit, because that's just what happens here, we'll we'll take it, but at the same time, he technically resigned, technically, so... Oh, Gruden resigned. I thought I thought you were saying Mayock resigned. I was like, no, he just did a
1: press conference. I saw
0: him. Gruden technically resigned. Oh come on! They're gonna be the worst of the worst sports books out there that are gonna tell you that because he didn't get fired, you don't get paid out on that. But if you had that, if you had Gruden as the first coach fired, they should pay out on that regardless. Because one, what foresight on Ooh. your behalf? Nobody saw that coming. Nobody saw that coming. Especially not two weeks ago, right? When the Raiders were 3-0 and and, you know, right at the top of this division and everybody's talking about how wonderful they are. Give it to us, Matt. What do you want to talk about? They're 3-2. and two. Yikes.
1: They're not out of it. No. And they're bringing in Rich Pistachio.
0: <laughs>
1: pistachio, yes. Is that his name? B- Rich Pistachio. What did I say? Uh, pistachio. It's fine. Is it Pistachio or Pistachia? <laughs> Bisaccia, oh, bisaccio. Oh wait, so I got it wrong in two different ways. Yeah, I said pistachia instead of pistachio.
0: It's b i s a c c i a. For everybody out there that's gotta get it, gotta send in an article to the editor, and you know anybody that's listening from the New York oh, Times, no. Washington Post, USA Today. I know Matt runs in a lot of high class circles, so you know any anybody that's listening to this for the top tier content, uh, it's Rich Bisaccia.
1: I was likely practicing some confirmation bias there (laughs) with selective hearing when listening to this Mike Mayock press conference because I do want to talk about pistachios.
0: Mm.
1: Pistachios are not sponsoring the show. They should, though. But I would like them to. I love these shelled pistachios. Oh, I do, too. When I found out you could buy pre-shelled pistachios, I was like, because pistachios were always this forbidden fruit of nuts. Yeah. It's a lot of effort. It's too much effort. It's a lot of effort. I'm like, I would never, I'm like, I look at those in the store. I'm like, I would never, you know, those bins at whole foods. I'm like, I would never, I would never go through the, the, the hustle and the hassle of, of, of shelling those goddamn things. And then I found (laughs) out that they, they pre shell them. I think I got the first bag I got of those was in the airport. Oh yeah. And I'm like, you should have seen me. Like it, it, like on the plane, I was like, I can't believe this. This
0: is amazing. <laughs> you know, you you don't even have to shell them. Dude, just in the middle of Whole Foods, freaking out because you found out about shelled pistachio. It was just you know simple pleasures in life. Oh man, yeah, and <laughs> no, it's not Rich Pistachio. He's he's the special teams coordinator, which uh, is the way that a lot of franchises have started to go. That um, it's a relatively progressive thought. Uh, John Harbaugh was the special teams coach in Baltimore, um, and interesting, and interesting. Joe Judge obviously was a special team coach in New England, and I mean, look, like I think the the thought process here is it took me a while to to, to kind of have it sink in because I was watching Monday Night Football as as all that news broke, and I'm like, okay, I think the idea here is they've liked some of what they've seen from the offense. And they don't want the floor to completely fall out on this defense. So let's leave the offensive coordinator to do what he's doing and the defensive coordinator to do what he's doing. And we'll have the special teams coach come in and try to embrace this. Maybe I don't know everything about everything persona, but I'm a leader of men.
1: Is the special teams going to fall apart? Or, like Belichick in New England, will he continue to manage the special teams? Because, you know, Belichick coaches the
0: special teams in New England. So I, th- I think that logically speaking, it, it'd probably be a lot to ask them to bring in a special teams coordinator midseason. Just because that's such a that's such a unit that's based on guys trusting that another guy is going to be where they are. You know, not that offense and defense aren't. But it seems like the special teams units typically don't have a ton of turnover. You like Ideally, you don't want your special teams unit to have a, a lot of turnover. Over during the year, you pretty much want them to be the same eleven guys for each unit all the way through. But I mean, I don't think that that the special teams meetings would would take up so much of his time that he couldn't do both. It's more so a question of who is in charge of this franchise, right? Because C- because the major question that you seek to answer is: Do I have a coach, a GM, an owner, and a quarterback that can all align? That, that, that makes sense. You don't want a super old school coach with a 21-year-old quarterback, with a 31-year-old GM, with a 41-year-old owner. It doesn't make any sense, right? So logically, I think what, what Mark Davis is trying to do, trying to do, I don't know that he's succeeding. But what he's trying to do here is give the team some semblance of direction without giving up the positive momentum, especially on offense that they showed under Gruden. I think that's the idea. Now, will it work or not work? That's TBD. The players still have the playbook, right?
1: Right. Like, Gruden didn't go collect everybody's playbook. They can still keep running the same plays. Right.
0: And, and I think that a big part of it is, and this is where, like, roster construction matters because there are so many people out there myself included at times we're just like you know what move on from Derek Carr maybe you can get something better Derek Carr is now the most important person in that building because everything is going to go through him that entire offense is borderline going to be run by Derek Carr he's probably other than Mayock and Davis going to be the most public face of the team even though Basashi is going to take over the head coaching duties really ultimately what we're going to find out this year is what Raiders fans have known or not known forever, which is what do we have in our quarterback? How much of a leader is he? How well is he going to do when there are expectations, right? Because now there's no crutch. Derek Carr has no more Gruden's holding me back crutch, which is historically the, the Raiders have always been a pretty good offense and a pretty bad defense. The recipe has not changed In Vegas, They may have moved from Oakland to Vegas, but the recipe hasn't changed. It's a really good offense that's pretty efficient and a defense that just needs the the bottom to not fall out. That's how they got to the playoffs early in Carr's career, and that's how they're going to get to the playoffs now if they dogfight their way there. It's just that nothing has changed other than who the head coach is and who the dominant media personality for the Raiders is.
1: They're not making the playoffs. Spoiler alert. They're not making the playoffs because they're in the same division as the Chargers and the Chiefs. So that's not happening. And Denver it's- looks good. <laughs> letting Raiders fans know it's tough. you have the worst team in your division. When you go position group by position group, it is easily the least talented franchise of the four in the AFC West. Yep. But I think that this could be a boon for the offense because I talked to TJ Hernandez on the mind of mansion show that podcast will drop a day after this particular podcast. And it's interesting. If you look around the league at the offenses that are performing the best, the most prolific, the most efficient are offenses where the offensive coordinator is loosening his grip on the control, right? Yeah. They're putting more of the control of what plays get run how fast plays get run on the quarterback. There's a lot more Tom Brady check with me's. A lot more Tom Brady's check with me, check with me, (laughs) Check me! check with me, check with me. Angry Tom. You love angry Tom. Right. There's a lot more of that. There's a lot more of that. And you'll notice that the most successful teams are putting more of their offense under the control of their quarterbacks and that the control freak offensive coordinators are frequently experiencing challenges, losing records. Yeah. And it's an evolution in the sport that the offensive coordinators and the head coaches need to let go and let their quarterbacks control the outcomes to an even greater degree than they were previously. Tom Brady, Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, it's not just that these are the most efficient passers of footballs. It's that in the moment they understand how fast they need to get to the line of scrimmage and what plays need to be run in the moment. And coordinators just step aside. Let me handle this. And the faster you can get a quarterback ramped up and trust them to take over the offense to that level of control, like Herbert is now in Los Angeles, the better off you're going to be. And With John Gruden now ejected, they could hand yet more control to Derek Carr. And we've seen historically when a franchise does that, the offense performs even better.
0: Yeah. And I think that Herbert's a really good juxtaposition of what you might see here, right? Last year, Anthony Lynn wanted to pull all the strings. And he is a really, really good football mind. He's just not a very good head coach. And it was clear to see, and it played out in clock management scenarios where Herbert was just too young to understand in a two-minute NFL offense, all right, I need to be lined up here. My hashes are are a little bit slimmed down from what they are in college. I need to be here. I need this many seconds to get this play off in order to get into this play. Like As you've done it, Brady can work backwards robotically in a two-minute drill, one-minute drill, 30-second drill, and know what he's got to do on every part of that play to get them to where they need to be to be in field goal range or something. At this point, he's not really thinking through any of that. It's it's just built in. It's hours and hours and years of of studying and understanding and figuring out what he did right and wrong. And once the only way that your quarterback is ever going to get there is if you take the reins off of them, right? Like, you, you have the Kyle Shanahan's of the world that are, and Sean McVay to an extent with Goff, they're horrified of what happens if they let their quarterback do what quarterbacks do, which is trust them to make decisions and don't predetermine the decision on a play for them, right? Kyle Shanahan's going to have nightmares till t- t- the end of time about that Jimmy Garoppolo overthrow in the Super Bowl. It's one throw though, right? A- and And that sucked. It sucked to watch. I felt bad for him. I felt bad for Kyle. I felt bad for everybody involved. But you've got to let them do that. Right? Like, you're never going to feel comfortable doing something that you're not trusted to do often until you have to do it. Right. Like, there's a reason that Brady feels comfortable in comeback situations. He's done it a hundred times. There's a reason that Lamar Jackson is comfortable running on fourth and one. He's done it a hundred times. Like, if you don't. If you don't give your quarterback the ability to learn the limits and the thresholds of what they personally can do without you, you're stunting their growth, and the only person that's going to lose out, the only people that are losing out there are both you and the quarterback. The team knows it. The team sees it in practice every day. They know what he can do. He knows what he can do. You you know what he can do. The only thing that you're trying to figure out is what are the limits of of what they can and can't do, and I think that we're going to find out that Derek Carr is a little bit better than people think.
1: And Kyle Shanahan needs to be careful. Kyle Shanahan needs to be careful that he doesn't try to control this thing (laughs) right into the ground. He needs to know when and how he limits his quarterback. In in Trey Lance's case, we're talking about a rookie quarterback from North Dakota State. We can't forget that. A rookie quarterback from North Dakota State that didn't play football much last year. No, they did so not. So it's understandable. That would be the one situation in the entire NFL, much more understandable than even Matt Nagy yeah. <laughs> trying to over-control yeah. Justin Fields. Yeah. right. It, that makes even more sense. The fixation that Kyle Shanahan seems to have on controlling Trey Lance does make more sense than the fixation that they have in Chicago On controlling Justin Fields. Like, I don't understand that. Can you explain this? I know that you follow the Chicago Bears closely. Why are they so intent on not letting
0: Justin Fields be Justin Fields? So, obviously, I spent a lot of time in Columbus from there and obviously know and have heard about Justin since, you know, the recruiting process and then he was at Georgia for a while and then, you know, Ryan Day takes over as head coach and we start hearing, you know, Ryan Day's bringing in this transfer quarterback who was the second best high school quarterback in his year to only Trevor Lawrence, which, you know, most quarterbacks ever are going to be the second best quarterback to Trevor Lawrence. That's just how life works. And, obviously, you get to watch this kid develop, right, from – a guy just, that just has just ridiculous ridiculous tools and it was so apparent early on that he was so much more refined than we were told about. I think the problem that that Chicago is having right now is they've never had a functional quarterback. Like let him play. It, let him play, right? It, it, the the thing is he's going to throw some awful interceptions this year. Matt Nagy's going to control him right out of a job. Yep. And the thing is Justin's going to throw some really bad picks this year. There are going to be some awful plays, and there are going to be some splash plays. You know who else threw a lot of picks and had an awful rookie year? A lot of guys. Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning's the classic example of, look, you need to let this kid test his limits. Chicago's not going anywhere this year. I'm moving to Chicago. I love y'all. I've adopted the Bears as my second team. I'm emotionally invested now. I'm emotionally invested now. But look, like, you've just got to let the kid figure out what he can and can't do at an NFL level because the thing is, you can run for 19 yards on third and one in college. In the NFL, on third and one, you might get four yards and get sent to row F. Like, is that worth it? You need to learn over time. There was a great thing that came out that that uh, I think McAfee was talking to Rogers about what he told Joe Burrow after their game, and I don't know if anybody was watching that game because obviously I think it was in uh, um, sandwich with a bunch of other really good games, but he got popped in the second quarter and came back in and obviously was fine, but everybody was really worried for a second. And Rogers told him post game, "Dude, just slide. You need to learn how to slide. You're way too talented. We need you. We need you to do what you can do in this game. Just learn how to slide." Right. And the thing is, when you're used to at Ohio State, at Alabama, at Clemson, at Oklahoma, having so much more talent at every position on the field than most teams you play, you're only going to figure out what your quarterback is really made of in games where the talent's equated. Clemson, Bama, occasionally Michigan, Penn State, these big games because nobody gathered anything from what Justin Fields did against Rutgers And in the NFL now, you've got to understand, your offense is not good, right? You drafted Tevin Jenkins to be this guy. He's been out. You let the player that you were trying to replace him with walk in the offseason for nothing. You drafted him. He hasn't started. The offense looks broken. So what does this kid do better than just about anybody else? Makes plays out of structure. Right, His sack rate in college was relatively high. He held the ball more than any other quarterback in this class. What does he do well? He extends plays. The problem is the Bears haven't figured out yet with Mooney and Robinson and Cole Komet and and all of these guys need to figure out, hey, Justin's going to give us four to five seconds on every play which is a lot longer than we're used to running routes. It's a lot longer than we're used to blocking for. It's a lot longer than we're used to doing most things. And the problem with Nagy's play calling is he was trying to turn Justin Fields into Andy Dalton, and he's never going to be that. right? The the thing that Bill Lazor has started to do that you're starting to see a little bit is they're willing to run him. They're willing to move him out of the pocket and let him do stuff with bootlegs that are called they're willing to to set up more blocking and take shots down the field. So I think that as they let him go, so to speak, and grow more and more and more with the playbook, you're going to see better and better better things. But obviously the bad interceptions are going to come. There are going to be plays that he should hit that he doesn't. Like no rookie quarterback is ever really going to look like Justin Herbert did last year. It's just, it's not realistic to expect that. And I think the problem is because we saw that so early with him and so early with Burrow, we're expecting Lawrence and Fields and Wilson and Lance and Mac Jones to look like those guys immediately. Meanwhile, the bar is set way up here. It's just not realistic.
1: Way up here. Yeah, we were spoiled by Justin Herbert. That's why Trey Lance was overdrafted in best ball, Yep, as was... Justin Fields. Justin Fields, just 20 pass attempts against the Raiders. It's weird. It's very. 20 pass attempts? It's very weird. Let him throw. I want to see him throw. Let him throw. They're running the ball 35 times and passing it only 20 times. And sure, you won the game. Great. Yeah. But that's not sustainable.
0: No, it's not. It's not. Their running game isn't good enough. Their defense isn't quite good enough. Like, the, the team is good enough to compete. It's just not good enough to win games consistently. And you can't start
1: Justin Fields in fantasy football. Right. It is a wait-and-see situation in fantasy football. You cannot start him as tantalizing as that upside is on any given week for Justin Fields because he is a mobile quarterback. The Konami code is there. It's real. It's just he hasn't been fully activated by his coaching staff. So you just have to... If you have him stashed, like if you have him in Dynasty, I have him in Dynasty all over the place. It's fine. Yeah. Have him on the bench, I'm waiting and seeing. Look, Once I I see that the dials are getting turned up and or some control is being handed over, because I'm sure he'd like to call more pass plays. I'm sure he'd like to drop back more. I'm sure he'd like to, to play faster. Yeah. And once that's all happening, once we see it, we'll
0: start to play him in seasonal leagues, in DFS, everywhere. Yeah, and I I think that, right, like logically, if you drafted Justin Fields, nobody thought that he would be this world beater by week week six or seven. You drafted him for week 11, 12, 13, 14, and so on, right? And so even though the plan has been pushed up a little bit, give him time to adjust and figure out kind of, oh, okay, maybe by week 11 and on, maybe he's a playable fantasy quarterback in a super flex league, maybe he's, a little bit more of an asset than than he looks to be right now, which, look, it's not his fault, right? Like the thing is, one, if you expected him to be a QB one by week five, I, that's a problem with your own process. That's not a problem with him or anybody else. Um, spoiled by Herbert. Right. And, and look, like we were a lot of us were spoiled by Herbert last year. Right. And it's just it's not sustainable. Right. Like you can't expect every really good quarterback that comes in to have a Justin Herbert like season season. And it takes a really, really special, special quarterback to even put all those pieces together and be able to drag teams to wins like like he was last year. Just give him time. I think he'll be perfectly fine. I think is going to do a better job than Nagy. I think by like week eight, week nine, we're going to know just how far with that leash they're going to let him run this year. And look, I, I hope they let him, you know, essentially sink or swim this year I really hope that that they put a lot on his plate and and kind of force him to do some things that historically he hasn't liked to do that you need to do at the NFL level and you know I hope it's he's probably gonna get put on his ass a couple times it's just that's how these things work right like you need to learn what you don't know and the only way to learn it is not by holding a clipboard it's by going out there and realizing hey 52 on the Ravens when it was Ray Lewis is not a guy you run at get down real quick you know, it, it's, you can see it on film a million times. It takes one Ray Lewis hit to know I'm not going anywhere near that dude ever again. Right. And so those are the little things that you that he's going to learn. He's going to learn that you, that you do not throw the ball anywhere near Jair Alexander. He's going to learn that Mike Zimmer's DBs are very, very well coached. And you're going to have to take what they give you, especially if they're the older veteran ones, the young guys are, were yikes last year. But, you know, he's going to learn all of these little things about his division, about the conference, about how Chicago Bears want to play football. And that's all going to take time. I'm glad that, that they took play calling out of Nagy's hands because it was clear that he was more invested in winning games to secure his job than he was in terms of Justin Fields' development, which realistically is the most important thing the Chicago Bears have right now. It's not Nagy, it's not Pace, it's not the ownership group. Justin Fields' development is the single most important thing the Bears have going for them right now. And so if it doesn't achieve that goal, then they shouldn't be doing it and it's just that simple. I just
1: want Justin Fields to survive this season unscathed. I don't want Nagy and anyone else in that organization to ruin him. But at least that organization is headed in a direction, in a more positive direction currently than those than that Raiders team that they beat. I do want to go back to the Raiders because we didn't talk about Mike Mayock stepping forward. With this organization, because I've heard from multiple people and, and multiple people I trust that Mike Mayock's a smart guy, that Mike Mayock focuses on the right details, and that if that team would let Mike Mayock pick the players in the draft and sign the players he wants in free agency, the talent profile of the team would be much higher. When you're letting John Gruden override you know, override the decisions you're about to make now that he's gone Mike Mayock has free reign to build the team according to his vision I'm interested to see how good he is without that John Gruden handicap from what you've heard does Mike Mayock focus on the right details
0: so I think one thing that's kind of important to understand is real life GMing versus GMing on ESPN is very different right and there are a lot exactly. of there are a lot of people exactly. there are a lot of people that have the TV personality to make that work, and then there are a lot of people that are actual GMs that are giving you really good insight. From my experience watching him and from talking to people that have been around him, Mike Mayock's made of the right stuff. He knows what he's doing. The problem is Davis and Gruden were handicapping him from doing his job, right? Because one, they wanted to take the wrong players. The Raiders have always tried to make splashes and do things their way, which is great if you hit. They don't hit often. Go look at their last 20 drafts. It's really, really, really bad.
1: Or take third-round corners in the first round for some unknown reason. For
0: unknown reasons. Or defensive line that the analysts on the set have to like, flip through their papers to try to find out who the <laughs> hell is this guy right and the i mean it's it's one of those things where they very clearly love they fall in love with prospects they fall in love with their guy and they go take and it. they don't just
1: check the mock drafts no that's all they have to do like we talked about, just
0: go to Bleacher Report. And aggregate it all. <laughs> this guy's not in the top 80 players. And, and the the really wild part for me is, like, if you really like the player, then go get him at pick 60. Don't get him at pick 15. Do they not talk to anyone
1: else? I mean, are they in that tight of an echo chamber in Las Vegas? Very weird. It, I mean, it is. Las Vegas is its own world. It is. But, I mean, that you wouldn't have any sense of where players are going in In mock drafts, and therefore you have no sense of the demand for players, you haven't talked to other managers, how
0: they value players, their drafting behavior was beyond bizarre. Well, the the other thing too, right, is it's really, it's an indictment on an organization when you trade Amari Cooper and you trade Khalil Mack and you get really good hauls back for, for what was left of of their contract for these players right so you don't have to pay them because maybe you don't think they're valuable enough or maybe you have a replacement whatever the situation is and then you turn those three first round picks into nothing of value other than a running back like this is the issue with with the Raiders and the way that they've tried to do things and the fact that they don't understand that their way of doing things is wrong is part of the reason that I loved the Mayock hire because he is such a traditional football GM if they empower him to do what he should have been doing all along I think they have a shot to actually get something done the question that I have is is there going to be a head coach that's going to come in that they can bring in that's going to allow him to do that or are they going to swing for another gigantic personality that's going to dwarf out Mayock again? No, they can't. No, just, just, just
1: don't do that. Just
0: keep the special
1: teams coordinator at coach. Let him coach and let Mike Mayock pick the players. If I'm Mike Mayock, before I go out and face the media and stride to that podium, I have a hard conversation with Mark Davis, and I say, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to defend you and this organization as standing for diversity and all this, (laughs) Yeah, right? I'm going to put a face on this scandal Yeah, and the damage control that we're doing. I'm going to be it. I'm going to be your PR department today, but it comes at a cost. No more meddling. No more meddling. I pick the players. I sign the players. Period. End of story. I submit the cards to Goodell, who he's going to say is the next Las Vegas Raider on draft day. I'm calling the agents and signing the players that are available that we want under the salary cap, period, end of story, or I'm not walking out there.
0: I would have done the same, right? Because the thing is, how are you going to, look, how do we evaluate Mike Mayock's tenure as Raiders GM? Can't. There's You can't. It's a it's a it's an incomplete. There's no there's (laughs) night. There's nothing that we can sit there and be like, oh, that was Mayock's decision. Right. And the thing is, Mike gets a lot of flack from me and from other people for allowing Gruden and Davis to do that to him. Right. A big part of it's got to be, dude, what you guys have done, you guys may think you're brilliant. It hasn't freaking worked. Like, it doesn't matter how good you feel about the guy that's in the third round. Clearly, you don't know which guys to take in round one, period. It's just, look at the, go back, everybody that's listening to this, go back and look at the last 20 years of Raiders draft picks, and you tell me how good you feel about your franchise's direction if those are your picks from 2001 to 2021. Because I've got news for you, it is awful it is a minefield out there I did like Brian Edwards in the third round I did like that yeah see you can take Brian Edwards in the third round that was a great pick I mean they are talking about one pick like one good pick <laughs> we we like Khalil Mack who was kind of gift wrapped to him Amari Cooper gift wrapped to him Josh Jacobs wrong position G- great pick I guess but wrong like what are we do what are we doing here Josh Jacobs was a horrific pick. Their best draft pick that's on their roster is Derek Carr in the second round. Yeah, fair. Yeah, sure. Yeah. I I, I probably lean Brian Edwards, but close. Derek Carr, Brian Edwards, and there's no one else. No, it's like. not Brian Edwards. I'm
1: just kidding. But, you know, it's definitely the quarterback. He's now the franchise. Max Crosby? like, But they executed one of the great trades where you get first rounders in exchange for trading away the rights to overpay a veteran player yeah you always want to be on the draft pick side of that exchange they did that to Chicago where they pulled a fast one on Chicago here take Khalil Mack and we'll take your first round pick and oh by the way we got the best of Khalil Mack at value now you have to get what Khalil Mack has left at the highest possible price tag for his position. Congratulations. Yeah. And then the Miami Dolphins did that with Laramie Tunsil. Yep. To the Houston Texans. Oh, congratulations. Now you have to go overpay Laramie Tunsell. We're going to go take these first-round picks. And we could have just replaced him one-for-one one with Penny Sewell and use the other first-round picks on other playmakers, but they didn't. They did not. They famously had the the only unforced error on the Dolphins' recent resume – after a run of truly exquisite front office moves, the most inexplicable, unforced error in the first round in 2021. We've only talked about it 17 times. We're not going to get into it today. But the Raiders did that too. That was a smart move. Yep. And now we look up, and the Seattle Seahawks oh, are my regretting. God. <laughs> Making a similar move, punting what they thought would be what they thought would be a late first rounder to get a strong safety. Who is not even a strong safety? Yeah. He's good. He's very good. He's a very good player. Very good Jamal player. Adams, very good player, right? He was a strong safety in college. He's not really a strong safety. He's not really a free safety either, because he's much stronger against the run than a free safety. He's an elite safety. How can we just call him an elite safety? Yeah. As Khalil Mack was. An elite edge rusher at the time, Laramie Tunsil, an elite left tackle. You can't go get one or more first round picks for veteran players demanding a bloated contract. Sure. Unless they're really good. Yeah. Right? Unless they are elite. You could argue Laramie Tunsil was not elite, but he was on an elite trajectory. Yeah. Jamal Adams was officially elite. Yep. When the Seattle Seahawks acquired him, as was Khalil Mack. Then Russell Wilson gets hurt. The Seattle Seahawks are two and three. And without Russell Wilson, they're looking at a losing record in 2021. And you can't be surprised when you look up and there's a team using your first round pick on a top 10 talent. And that is just crushing. Yeah. That's just crushing.
0: Yeah, and the the difficult part about overpaying for something like that is if it's not a quarterback or an edge rusher. Like, look, like the Bears overpaid for Mac. We know this, but they desperately needed him, and I think it was at a time where they were just trying to reestablish their identity on defense. And Khalil Mack, I don't, I don't think the Bears would say that they overpaid, but they, looking at it like macro level I think they overpaid for for Khalil Mack
1: well, because they gave up a first round pick and then they had to give Khalil Mack the big contract so it's the contract plus the first round pick right that's the
0: overpay right and, and the thing is just a first round pick for a really good player is not an overpay it's when you have to make them the highest paid player at their position immediately following that season that's when it becomes a problem and that's what you saw with Tunsil and with Adams and
1: Which is why they were on the block in the first place. Right. Those teams put those elite players on the block for a reason. They're looking for a sucker with an aging coach or a coach who feels like he needs to make a splash in order to keep his job. In the case of Bill O'Brien, there's 31 other teams. There's going to be a sucker in that room. There always, always, always is. Has trading a first-rounder for the rights to overpay a veteran ever worked out in the NFL? Ever? Ever? I think the one
0: that I would argue is Stefan Diggs. And, 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 Ooh,
1: I like it. That's a good one. And and
0: I think we're seeing it right now, right? But the reason, right? So the the logic here, you've you've got to follow this, right? The logic here follows because if you looked at Diggs, they weren't going to have to make him the highest paid receiver in the NFL because nothing he had done in Minnesota had deemed him that level of player. It was just, hey, we need desperately to go get our young quarterback a weapon to see what he can transform into when we get him a true alpha number one. And then Diggs turned into a top three receiver and validated that decision. But you've got to think about this twofold, right? One, it's a position that helps my quarterback who's young right now. So for the next three years, they're not going to, you know, into 2020, I think it's 2024, Josh Allen gets big money. So Diggs and Allen together are occupying this much of your salary cap, right? Whatever whatever that percentage is. When it comes to the point where Allen gets really expensive and Diggs is probably going to take a little bit less money on his next contract, they're still going to be in that same realm. So how mm. you piece that together makes a lot oh, of sense because what you're doing is you're packaging Josh Allen's rookie contract one contract ramps up while the other contract ramps down. And that's the idea, right? If wow. you if you can create the synergy between these two players where now Josh Allen and Diggs obviously want to play together forever, you're never going to lose them. Diggs might take a little bit of a hometown discount. Now you're paying Josh Allen magnificent money, but it's not killing you because your number one receiver isn't making true top tier number one receiver money. And that's how you make all of this work. Right? The, the idea here is if you trade a first round pick for the right to overpay somebody, it's got to help something that you can afford to be expensive. You can afford for your edge rushers to be expensive. You can afford for your tackle to be expensive. You absolutely under no circumstances can have your box safety be remarkably expensive. It just there's no way to create a defense like that. It doesn't make any kind of sense. So while the overpay for Tunsil was bad, right? They they could have just not screwed around the entire time and not let anybody walk and not traded firsts for him. The Khalil Mack trade. They could have just tried to draft somebody in the top five and gotten that dominant edge rusher. Because, I mean, Khalil Mack's a Hall of Famer. There's no doubt about that. It's not like like they got the worst years of his career on the deal. It was just the best, the most valuable years of his career. Right.
1: He had his best season in
0: Chicago. Right. It's just for the money that you're spending – Oakland got much, much better value out of him than Chicago did, which is not to say that that was a bad deal. Nobody is saying that trading for Khalil Mack was bad. The issue is when you do it for a Jamal Adams, who does not impact wins and losses the way that a Khalil Mack, that a Laramie Tunsil, that a Stephon Diggs does if they hit, that's when you have a problem. Because he's not going to win you games that Russell Wilson would have won you. Stephon Diggs is winning the Bills' games. Khalil Mack can win the Bears' games. Laramie Tunsil can keep, at the time, Deshaun Watson upright long enough for them to win games. Jamal Adams is doing absolutely, positively nothing to win you games, and that's the problem. Oh, Seahawks fans are going to be
1: mad at you. This is why you're on the show. This is why we had the Decision Point. You want to know why we launched the Decision Point show? was for that segment. We have the show title, Josh Allen, Magnificent Money. (laughs) This is great phrasing. We have the position that you took that I did not see coming, that the Jamal Adams trade was actually much worse than any of the others I mentioned. And then you also had the perfect answer to the open-ended question, which was, when has this ever worked? And the answer is Stefan Diggs. And the reason why it is Stephon Diggs is because the wide receiver position is unique in the NFL in that it does take time for wide receivers to develop. It is one of the slower to develop positions in the league where you can drop an edge rusher onto an NFL team as a rookie yeah. and he could just start making an impact right away. Yep. Most wide receivers that are not Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, if you're not from LSU. <laughs> yeah. Odell then, Landry. It, Jesus, It, it, it yeah, takes they really time. Have it takes profile. one or two years for you to get ramped up. And it took Stephon Diggs a couple of years to start playing his best football. And NFL wide receivers are most productive. The age apex is age 26, 27. So if you can get a wide receiver in his age 26, 27 prime, that is incredibly valuable. Where some other positions, those players are already declining. Well, I think so that's another reason why acquiring a wide receiver. In that structured deal, made more sense than a player like an edge rusher.
0: Yeah, and and like, look, like this isn't an indictment on Jamal Adams as a player. It's an indictment on what they're paying the position that he plays. He's obviously a right. very impactful player. Oh, he's it, very good. He's he's not bad by any means. He's very no, he's very bad. very good at what he does. Jamal
1: Adams, if you're out there, maybe your family,
0: you're not bad. Right, you're not bad. This is a you paid as you paid as strong safety elite money for a position that really can't tangibly win you games at the rate that paying 20 million dollars a year has to win you games that's the issue if you look at it at a as a think about it in a baseball terminology in terms of cost per wins a 20 million dollar quarterback and a 20 million dollar strong safety cannot win you the same number of games there's no way Right, And and as you keep looking at that, if you have a $20 million wide receiver, pretty valuable player. $20 million offensive tackle, pretty valuable player. $20 million edge rusher, pretty valuable player. That's the issue. $20 million strong safety that doesn't cover is not valuable enough to trade first-round picks and then overpay. That's the issue. That's really why the decision-making there is everybody at the time was just like oh they got Jamal Adams and we were they all- got Jamal
1: Adams we we won
0: we won right and the thing was are they like cowboys g- fans from- hey we got Ezekiel Elliott locked up yeah woo cowboys Will he be used differently? Does he have a skill set that we don't know about? What can be done here to maximize the value of Jamal Adams? And the thing is, they are maximizing the value of Jamal Adams. The issue is that value is not worth $20 million. That's the problem. So when you make a deal like this where you're mortgaging a blue-chip Ticket, essentially, to a, a top-tier prospect for someone that you know is established. The question is, can they do what you need them to do at the level that you're going to have to pay them? And we knew Khalil Mack could. It looked like Laramie Tunsil could. We knew Stefan Diggs could. The question here is, can Jamal Adams provide $20 million of value to a team? The answer is obviously no, because he doesn't play a position valuable enough to warrant that. The Indianapolis
1: Colts... And your bow, Chris Ballard, are one and four. Should have been two and three, but they blew a big lead. They did. Against Baltimore. Let's talk about it. It's, it's intriguing. The situation is very intriguing in Indianapolis. What was going through Chris
0: Ballard's head after that loss? The public perception angle is a really powerful motivator for bad GMs to do something that they shouldn't do. For example, right? Everybody maligned Howie Roseman in Philadelphia for taking Jalen Hurts. That was me included, and everybody was was absolutely like, you, "You're absolutely insane! You just paid this man north of a hundred million dollars, and he's going to be your guy. Why in the world would you draft a quarterback in the second round? He's protecting his own ass, right?" And so the issue for Ballard is he hasn't had Carson Wentz long enough to figure out if he can be the guy or not and the narratives are already starting. The Coulter 1 and 4. This is the Peyton Manning Andrew Luck transition all over again. We're going to have to eat all of this dead money. What are you doing? Why did you do this? Lost in all of that. Carson Wentz played really well. Like the, 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 it was it had nothing to do. He was not the reason that they lost that game. The, no. the defense couldn't stop Lamar Jackson or Andrews or Brown, and they're down to the, like practice squad corners. So like before we go in and indict the roster that Ballard has built and, and the coaching job that Reich has done, take a look at the circumstances, right? When Kyle Shanahan's quarterback goes down and he loses his edge rusher, in Bosa for the year everybody's like okay we kind of understand like give him a pass he's a brilliant mind they'll get it figured out nobody's worried when the same thing happens in Indianapolis because it happens in the heartland of the country and nobody outside of Indianapolis seems to care about the Colts poor guys it the issue that arises is when you get these marquee games that Indy gets occasionally right everybody saw that playoff as a standalone game on Monday night football on national television. And that's really the reason that these narratives start and the reason that none of them ever end, right? I mean, it took years for Kirk Cousins to ditch the, you can't win a big game label. It's going to take time for people to understand that Indy is in the, in the process of a rebuild in terms of competing. They're probably not actually competitive competitive for another year or so. So this year is about figuring out what can Wentz do, what pieces do we have and what do we need to go acquire um, what do we do with guys on our roster that, that kind of, you know, we're really good players and we've drafted better ones. Like, like there, there are a lot of little weird nuances with Indy's roster where they have a lot of talent. It's just the talent is weird in the sense that there, there are position groups that need more. There are position groups that probably need someone to be shipped out. It's just a very weird he's playing a lot of, a, a lot of, with a lot of puzzle pieces in Indianapolis right now. And I don't think that, that anything we saw in the first five weeks is an indictment of Reich Wentz, or him yet yet. If it doesn't get better as the season progresses, then suddenly we have a very different discussion to talk about. They're one and four. They should be two and three. I mean, they're, they're, there's a path that they're three and two, there's a path that they're four and one. And they're about to face the Texans in yeah, Week Six, right? And th- th- this is the ultimate get-right game. And I think that a lot of the heat will cool off after that. But that is—that's just—that's one of those losses that hurts you as a general manager because you know you know how hard those guys that were out there are playing. It's just if you're a practice squad corner man, it's hard. It's going to be hard for you to keep up with Andrews and Brown and all of these guys f- for. For 60 minutes it's it's just it's sometimes it just it can't happen right and they were a coin flip away from getting the ball first in overtime they never got to touch the ball in overtime like there's a there's a lot more to this than simply oh the Colts blue lead yes that's uh, undeniably that's the bottom line the Colts blue lead and you hate to see it and you don't ever want that to happen but there's a lot more to it than simply oh they don't know what they're doing
1: They've got the Jets in a few weeks, and then a week after the Jets, they get the Jaguars. They're not going to be able to lose enough games to have a top-five pick. It's not going to happen. I don't think so either. If the season ended today, they would have a top-five pick, but it would go to Philadelphia. (laughs) They're not going to finish the season with a top-five pick. And so the question remains, who's going to get the first-rounder? Remind us the percentage of snaps that Carson Wentz has to play in order for Philadelphia to get
0: the first-round pick? I want to say it's 75. It might be 70. It's, it's, it's somewhere in there. I think it's 70. It's between 70 and 75. I was thinking 69. <laughs> well, I mean, I think I think Chris Ballard and Frank Reich are thinking right along those same lines, man. 69 and a half, 69 and three quarters. We'll get as close to that line as humanly possible. What
1: mysterious injury... Do you think Carson Wentz is going to pick up?
0: It's going to be like something weird, like a thigh contusion or something that nobody right. thought, you know what I mean? Like, like <laughs> yes. so some, some, we- some irregular <laughs> injury, <laughs> like strained toe out three weeks. And, and, yeah, he's going to have a toe. Oh, toe would be great. You know, it, it's just, it's so funny. Toe
1: would be so good. A lo- I feel like a lot of times they go shoulder. Because all these quarterbacks have sore shoulders anyway.
0: Well, Matt, like the thing is, there's no, but every part of, of an NFL player's body is aching by this point of a season. So it's literally just right. pick your aches, brain, you know, whatever. Uh, I mean, look, there's gamesmanship involved here. We're talking about a first round pick. Just, just get out, get out the operation game. Adam's apple. It's going to be something. We all know it's going to be something. And it's going to be hilarious to see what it is and how that happens. God forbid, poor Carson Wentz, man. Like, God forbid that he actually gets injured in, like, week 12 or 13. Everybody's going to be like, oh, look at this. This is the gamesmanship. Like, poor guy. Company man. Right? I feel so bad for him if
1: that happens. But, like. Oh, that could be a good show title as well. But I I prefer Josh Allen, Magnificent Money. But we could go Carson Wentz, company man. We'll save that. We'll save well, that for later in the season. Yeah,
0: we can, we can talk about Wentz again later because I think, I think we don't have enough information yet on Indy to know just how good or bad a fit that's going to be. That's probably going to be a really good conversation to come back to in about five, six weeks. We're monitoring
1: the Carson Wentz snap count on the decision point, unlike any other podcast <laughs> in America
0: should we just start tweeting that out weekly? Like Carson Wentz snapshot. I think like yes, yeah, the 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 ticker,
1: right? I get it. Update. Especially if he misses even a single snap, right? right. Oh, new new update on the Carson Wentz snapshot. Right, he's missed a snap, everybody. <laughs> Somebody call Howie. Update, update. Scrolling across the bottom. If there was one player in the NFL that I believe is gonna be traded, especially now that the Colts are one and four. It's got to be Marlon Mack. Yeah. Jonathan Taylor erupted again. They also have Naheem Hines on the roster, and they have a replacement-level backup in Jordan Wilkins. The last player they need on that roster when the trade deadline expires is Marlon Mack, and yet I look around the league and I see a bunch of teams that need primary running back help. Now it's the Chiefs. In addition to teams like Baltimore and many others, and Marlon Mack showed some real burst in that Week Five performance. So I could see him going somewhere in being a workhorse. Can you?
0: I don't know that I would say workhorse. Like I, I, I could see him going, see him going to a situation kind of like the the Chargers had a couple of years ago with Gordon and Eckler. Where oh, where, yes, where he's yes. he's kind of not really a number two back, but more so of a one B that specializes in doing what he does and just essentially keeps the one A fresh. Like there are a lot of situations like that where as depth he offers a lot more than as, Hey, we're gonna run you out there as our option A B C D E F like the Jags are doing with James Robinson. Like it, 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 it doesn't make sense. To use him that way, I don't think, especially coming off the kind of injury that he had. The people most excited about Marlon Mack coming back and looking like he has is anybody that manages Cam Akers. Yes! Thank you!
1: Thank you for saying that! The Achilles! The Achilles rupture may not be the death sentence that... The Twitter doctors claimed it was.
0: Yeah. Remember when Tommy John was the end of a pitcher's career, and now it's just, you know, mm. you go under the knife, and six months later, you're right back, right? Medical advancement mm-hmm. is incredible. And and I think that that's something that you have to consider, um, especially if you're in kind of a dynasty league with people that don't quite understand and think, oh, okay, he's now an asset that's null and void. The reason that earlier in the year we told you to hold him is – There's no way to know what his value is, right? One, we haven't seen the Rams offense with Matthew Stafford. We don't know what their pass-run splits are going to look like. How up-tempo are they going to be? How much do they trust the running backs to actually run the ball as opposed to short pass game being an extension of the run game? All of this stuff, right? Now I think you can comfortably feel like, yeah, he could probably come back and be a pretty useful you know, maybe he's not the, the bell cow that he was before, but he's still a valuable piece. And I think Marlon Mack kind of occupies that same role now where it's the he's the Kareem Hunt to the Nick Chubb. I would love to see him in Tampa. Oh, that'd be fun. Because Tampa
1: has Leonard Fournette, but Leonard Fournette's past the AJ Packs and they can't trust Geo Bernard Ronald Jones. No one will trust Ronald Jones. You can't trust Ronald Jones in the running game. You can't trust Ronald Jones in the passing game. I'm not a Ronald Jones guy. He's a total zero. And Marlon Mack is from Tampa. He went to South Florida. Oh, yeah. Forgot I about would this. love to see Marlon Mack go home to Tampa to a competitor where he can be the perfect change of pace back for Leonard Fournette.
0: I think because I think the thing that they tried to do is they tried to bring in Bernard in the offseason to be that guy. And. You know, the early results. are... I think are- Bernard's fine as a third down back. Yeah, but
1: he's not a change of pace back, and Ronald Jones is a stone worst change of pace back <laughs> in the league. If we're going through the competitors, the teams that could win a Super Bowl, that they, they don't want to risk a Leonard Fournette injury in the playoffs, they leaned on Leonard Fournette throughout the
0: playoffs last year. Matt, th- Matt, there's a there's a place I want him to go. Where where do you want him to go? I want him to go to Buffalo, because I'm 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 not a big fan of Singletary. In the way that he's played lately. I was a big fan of him coming out. Not a fan of how he's played lately. And Zach Moss is clearly not the guy that that runs 35 times. See, if he goes to Buffalo,
1: he's not the one B. He's the one A. He becomes the one A in Buffalo. Zach Moss becomes the one B. And then they can put Singletary in that Giovanni Bernard role. Yeah. And and see Because that's where Singletary belongs. Singletary belongs third down only. Yeah. And then you have Zach Moss on short yardage. Yep, and as a breather back, and then Marlon Mack, Marlon Mack to Buffalo in Buffalo. That is better. That is better. I mean, I'm just looking at we're the best teams, right? Yeah, the you know, Buffalo in the AFC, Tampa in the NFC, with below average running backs. Yeah, on the roster, Buffalo's running backs are the the, the, the talent profile of Buffalo's running backs is even. Worse than Tampa's. Yeah,
0: because, I mean, they don't really have a 1A right
1: now. Yeah, they don't even have a 1A. They don't even have a proper 1A. At least you could say, oh, Fournette's a 1A. They don't even have that guy in in Buffalo. That's a great call. God, did, did I mention this is why you're on the show? We have a show built around Ananduri because of this, because of Marlon Mack to Buffalo that's why
0: we love it right and, and the thing is it makes sense because buffalo's in win now mode and you don't really trade for a running back unless you think you can win now Andy doesn't need him and it's very clear that devin singletary can't play that role zach oh. moss hasn't really taken over that backfield so to speak in terms of a oh we love him running the ball this is where the kind of guy that marlon mack is is going to help out Buffalo in terms of their pass protection he's going to be an ideal you know guy that you trust to run the ball he's not really a big fumbler it's like there are so many reasons that you like Marlon Mack in Buffalo and the thing is the backfield just isn't too crowded three guys could thrive there because realistically they're not going to run the ball all that much with Allen as their quarterback so I think that's probably the best fit of everybody out there because he's going to want to go to a contender. If you're a running back, you know you're not going to make astronomical money anywhere. I think that's probably the best fit.
1: Buffalo, go get Marlon Mack. Make it happen. Buffalo, go get Marlon Mack. Make it happen. That's the show. We love it. We love it. Marlon Mack, man, in Buffalo. Oh my God, it, it makes too much sense. It
0: makes too much sense, and it'd be so Every much fun. time
1: we say the phrase "it makes too much sense" on this show, it never happens. It's the ultimate curse.
0: <laughs> I know. I know. Just makes too much sense. Mike Williams in Philadelphia. So it'll never happen. I'm, I want Mike Williams in Philly. It's just, it's not gonna happen. Makes too much sense. This this one- this one actually I could see happening. The only question is: like, does Buffalo realize that they need the help there? They should. Their number three is Matt Breda. I mean,
1: e. I just hope I hope that there's they don't have any injuries in that backfield.
0: Yeah, that gets real ugly real quick. Right? It's going to get ugly. Because the thing is, I mean, like, you get to the dog days of November and December in Buffalo. Dude, you don't want to be throwing the ball 90 times a game. And
1: at least it,
0: Tampa has Keyshawn Vaughn. They don't even have that no, in Buffalo. No. So. No. And I, and I think that that's kind of their, their, that's one of the major holes on their roster right now is, you know, what do you do with maybe the only one? maybe the only one deep pass rush looks good defense looks good like i mean team's great i feel great because
1: buffalo fans have been so snake bitten i mean like in in uh, comically snake bitten like you can't even make it up like if it was a book or a movie you wouldn't believe
0: it yeah yeah so i'm i'm very happy for that i'm happy for them too man i'm happy for them too So what I did was um, I've been using a ThinkPad that I used to use for work once upon a time. And I realized that we had a Microsoft Surface um, that was at home. And I was like, hey, do you think that this would be better video quality and audio quality? And little brother was like, yeah, because that's from last year and the laptop's from like 2016. So,
1: yeah, you're in better shape. I think this is going to be just better.
0: Okay. yeah, because, I mean, I can do this full time. I think it's going to process better. There'd be less buffering. Because I'm not using, so one of the things that I found was a problem was downloading Skype. The app overloads the computer, so I've been using it in the web browser. Whereas this is perfectly clear, like there's no cutout, there's nothing. Right. Yeah. This is. Good. Yeah. Is this way better? I think this is this it, is
1: this is superior.
0: Okay. Okay. Because I mean, this is gonna make life super easy because obviously you know like, like what the microphone setup looks like, and it's literally just a tablet, so I can pretty much just take it anywhere. There's no. You know what i mean we're not gonna have you're doing this from a tablet i'm doing this from a tablet that's kind of crazy it's wild isn't that crazy it's wild how much you can do on this yeah i mean it's nuts it's really really crazy because i mean it's it's got like every functionality of a computer it literally just doesn't have a keyboard Mm -hmm. and so i was like shit like maybe this is something that i use for a while and just like attach a keyboard to because i've never used this until right now literally just sat upstairs as uh, one of Little Brother's old projects, I guess. But yeah, this
1: thing rocks. No, but you're not glitching at all, and like it was so obvious the moment you turned it on that you good. had something was like processing faster. It was like it was like I was like, whoa! You like blew my hair back. I'm like, yeah, there
0: he is. It, it's 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 overdue, right? And so obviously at the new spot in Chicago, <laughs> uh, yeah, I
1: mean it's good. I like it. I like that we're doing it.
0: I mean, at the new spot, we're going to try and build, like, um, in, like, uh, not necessarily, like, a supply closet, but, like, a little bit bigger closet. I'm going to try and build, like, an actual, like, studio-ish thing. It'll probably take me a month or so to put it together. But that's kind of the idea is that I'm going to steal one of the closets that we have and use it as, like, a as like a studio. So it, the sound, audio quality is going to go up, obviously which are well i guess streaming quality is going to go up just in general but i think this is a pretty solid second step i love the weekly emails by the way those kill me <laughs> the the pod father, the pod father ones yeah, yeah just the, the mass email send out where it's like oh do this and i'm like you know what matt maybe i should do that <laughs> yeah
1: it's always more fun that way grip and rip there's one There was one week I'd had really bad advice. Like, I had Herbert last week and Tony. and Like, it's fucking football. Like, I had a bad week. Like, I think I recommended, like, OBJ that week. And, like, it was just bad. I, I think maybe, I don't know, who knows. And this one guy goes, it was great. This one guy goes, LOL, had to unsubscribe. <laughs> like, after the week was over. And I was like, you know what, buddy? You're kind of an asshole. And uh, I, I'm, I'm sure your weekly email is better. Right. So why don't you go ahead and build your own website and uh, go send out your own email. <laughs> and I saw I unsubscribed him for our website. The, I read your email. You asked to unsubscribe. So he wrote back, like, last week, and he's like, oh, sorry. I was like, I can't log in. And I was like, well, <laughs> we received a request from you to unsubscribe. <laughs> so we did. We resolved the ticket. You're unsubscribed, congratulations. He's like, no, 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 I meant the email. I I meant the I meant the grip and rip emails. I I I I, I want to get into the site. Nah. and then I ghosted him. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm gonna go ahead and prorate your subscription instead of reactivating you. Here's forty-five bucks back. Go on your
0: merry way and go fuck yourself. <laughs> Well, like you know what I've learned from this whole social media endeavor because obviously I started Twitter as kind of like a oh like I wonder what content people are creating right because like three years ago I had no idea what the hell was out there other than you know there's a y- there's a random YouTube channel here or, you know you see something on Yahoo or ESPN and like three years ago that was the extent of my quote-unquote fantasy football knowledge other than you know what I knew personally and like in all honesty one of the things that people like really need to understand about this business is you need to know what everyone else is doing before you know if your hot take is a hot take because if everybody's hot take is the same it's not a hot take if everybody is fading somebody that's you know what i mean you're not doing anything so to speak sure you, you might be doing something on like the espn yahoo like you know 90% 90% masses, but for the people that are really into this stuff, it's it's different. And then obviously I learned that you can pretty much argue anything. So, you know, good on the people that are trying to figure that out. You're not entitled to
1: anything, and you use the Player Profiler website. Yeah. Right? And so, yeah, I certainly value our subscribers more than anything else. Like, they're why I exist but it's a two-way street like I revere them and all I ask in return is just some common human dignity and respect and if you're gonna shit on me or troll me I'm not corporate America the customer's not always right here no we can stand up and say you know what go pound sand I would rather give you 40 dollars back and tell you to go pound sand Then allow you to use our
0: service which i believe is this incredible value well i think the other thing too is I, i think people see so obviously i didn't know about you for years and years and years like some of your subscribers have but i mean it had to take an incredible amount of time effort energy in finding the right people to build all of this stuff knowing what stuff is important going through like just going through a regular like Looking at Brady on Player Profiler, how you determine what's important and what isn't is such an interesting, like it, it's a nuanced angle that nobody else really has, right? Like you can go look at QBR as a stat, but that tells you the final result of something. It's not a predi- it's not anything predictive. So doing anything predictive in this space is really is really really interesting. One, but two, it's just you know if something's available, like player Player Profiler free, you know like. I don't know why I don't know why anybody would would shit on anybody giving them free access to something that can potentially not only help them play fantasy football better, but maybe even inspire their own content, right? Because I'm sure it gets referenced a lot. So, it, it, so to speak, there are a lot of jobs you can talk yourself out of, and I feel like the internet is the best place to talk yourself out of things. It, it, it's just, you know, if you want to put your opinion out there, you know, like. If you want to put your opinion out there so be it it's just it's one of those things where it's like look like if you decide to shit on and troll people oh yeah i see what you're saying i see what you're saying domain over a certain part of this space like don't be surprised when they fire back and you don't have you don't have as many bullets as they do (laughs) i do relish the opportunity
1: to fucking mute people and boot people that i believe are assholes it's really that simple it would be one thing if I were providing something that was of marginal value, and I'm marketing the shit out of it. Okay, right? I'm gonna take your money, and like I'm just gonna be happy. This is the opposite, where I feel like we're giving people way too much for what they're paying, and I can't wait to raise prices. <laughs> no, because I feel like I'm almost doing the business a disservice by making the, the price so low. Right. Like Amazon Prime was so low for so long My mom was like, what's the, what's the catch? Yeah, same And I'm like, mom, there is no catch When it first came out, I was like, there is no catch It's just free shipping She's like, this doesn't make any sense This pays for itself yep. within two weeks For a full year subscription I was like, I know mom It doesn't <laughs> make sense But I swear to god, there's no catch
0: Well, I mean, it's the same stuff, right? Like the DFS optimizer. I don't know shit about daily fantasy. I mean, like I'm just barely getting into it. So I I talked to Larky the other day and I was like, yo, man, like at some point, can you tell me how the hell this thing works? Because look, like I've never entered 150 lineups into anything. I've probably I probably have made 50 DFS lineups in my life.
1: The Bengals, for example, are playing at a completely different pace of play. Not only are they playing slower, they're calling a lot more run plays. The funny thing is we were in quotes wrong about Chase, but he bailed us out with touchdowns and just efficiency. Yeah. Imagine this. If we could rewind the tape based on our current knowledge of the Bengals' offense, we wouldn't have played Chase as much.
0: Isn't that weird? It's very odd. So essentially what you're telling me is that despite the result being what you wanted, maybe even better than what you wanted, the information that went into it, if we knew what we knew now, it would not like it as much as it did before. Even though the result was right, it's thinking that the process is now wrong. That's kind of crazy. It is very cool.
1: Yeah, it's very cool shit. And when these are the types of data points that are powering your projections, then like you start to get to another level and then you optimize around those projections and then you get better results. Which makes sense. We did all this analysis this summer. There was a work done by our analytics interns uh, that showed that you need to be stacking in seasonal leagues. So I have in that league Lamar and Marquise Brown. (laughs) That was a fun week for you, huh? So I went to bed thinking, oh, I just barely won. Phew, right? But I'm still like behind a bunch of teams in total points. I woke up having blown out my competitor, And now I'm number one in points in my division. I went to bed thinking, oh, man, another dud from
0: Lamar. (laughs) He can do that, though. He can pile on in a quarter and a half. The narratives change so quickly. Because I'm a man. I'm 40. I'm not a kid.
1: (laughs) I go to bed at 10 o'clock.
0: God bless Mike Gundy, man. That's (laughs) (laughs) I'm an East Coast dad. God damn it. That's an all-time quote.
1: I'm a man. I'm an East Coast dad. I'm 40.
0: He's, he's one of my favorite just just people. Like like Lane Kiffin at a podium is so much more interesting than Lane Kiffin on a football field. I cannot wait for Ole Miss yeah. Mississippi State oh, yeah. every year because Mike Leach and Lane Kiffin are just like, sure. Is it wasteful spending in theory? Yes. Is it worth it? Also, yes. It just makes more sense to be somewhat fun when it comes to that kind of shit. Absolutely. Anand Nanduri
1: breaks down franchises in crisis. Oh, yeah. Something like that. <laughs> <laughs> I do feel good that, like, my my forehead only looks wrinkled when I, like, make facial expressions. Like, say, <laughs> like, right there. Like, otherwise, it's still smooth. We'll keep it going. We're going to keep the smooth forehead going for as long as we can. I don't know. I, with With Brady... I don't trust a
0: damn feature of that face. Did you see the... Uh, have you seen the progression from the 2001 to the 2020? That's one of the I funniest did. things I've ever seen. It's just like, oh... Did you see the piece? I don't remember which... Which It was one of these clickbaity
1: articles where they had a plastic surgeon break down every single photo.
0: Yeah, 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 I know exactly. It was like a little slideshow thing where they, they were discussing like, oh, he had this done here. Yeah,
1: anytime it's a slideshow, you know, it's clickbait. Oh, Every yeah. slideshow is clickbait. Because
0: I think the way that they do it is like each individual like photo, quote unquote, with its subtext is its own page. So they can count it as multiple views per, which don't get me wrong.
1: Oh, they're gaming the system to get advertising dollars.
0: There's no doubt about that. Yeah, I don't understand SEO or any of that stuff. You know, yeah, like they're, they're doing a good job. They know what they're doing. They know what they're doing. And it's never .com. It's like .net or .sports mm. or something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> something super
1: .sports? <laughs> oh, my God. Imagine clicking on a .sports. You're like,
0: ah, get out of here. Back, 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 back. Doesn't feel <laughs> safe, right? Like
1: It would not feel safe. If I'm like, I'm on a .sports.
0: Ah! Right? God forbid, man. We're gonna run out of dot com addresses, and that's gonna happen one day. And someone's gonna pull this out of the archive. Like, listen to this idiot talking about how .dot sports isn't gonna be a thing.
1: I remember dot tv. What does that mean? <laughs> dot tv. Yeah, you're watching TV or not? Yeah, right. You know what I mean, if you're watching TV, you're not online.
0: Oh my God! Why is it .dot tv?
1: How many Netflixes can there be? Like, who are you appealing to?
0: I was trying to explain to someone the other day that there was a time where you couldn't access the internet and be on the phone at the same time, and they looked at me like I was insane. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I felt I feel very proud. Speaking of Netflix, I was talking to my wife, and I was like,
1: remember when we were early Netflix adopters getting those DVDs in the mail? Yeah, my parents used to do that. And we would have our neighbors ask us what those red envelopes we always have in our mail were. And in our apartment, they would be like, What are those red envelopes? We're like, oh, it's Netflix. Like, what's Netflix? And you have explained, it's like, Oh, they send you a DVD in the mail. And then I remember the first time
0: they rolled out streaming, and it was terrible. It was awful. Cause I remember my parents Terrible. were still my parents were still using the DVD surface at that point. And I was like, hey guys, like they have a bunch of movies online that you can stream now. And they're like, nah, this sucks. Went back to it for like a year and a half before they finally got their shit. I'm th- on my laptop.
1: It's glitching constantly. And I was like, I was like, oh, I can't wait to we should watch this on the laptop. Why if I watch it on a laptop? You know, this is before like Chromecast or oh yeah, the Amazon Fire Stick days. (laughs) We're watching it on the laptop, right? And it's skipping and buffering constantly. And but I was like, this is cool. Like I was like, this is cool. Like you know, like Phil Dunphy. Because we're watching Modern Family, and the guy from Modern Family was also in Married with Children. And my wife keeps saying that I'm Phil because I do have a lot of Phil qualities like I do a lot of dad jokes and I you know I lean into it the awkwardness and you know I'm a bit of a tech file like I'm trying to you know be the first one to stream a movie on my laptop and stuff like that you know <laughs> but like I keep pushing back and I'm like no I'm Cam. I'm Cam. I'm the I'm the song and dance guy. Like I'm the song and dance guy. I'm not Phil. You no. Could, you could be both. Cam was a college football player like cam's cool yeah you know and and, and, and phil is not cool huh. and i'm like no i'm cam i'm cam and then we were having this debate and then i i convinced her mom that i'm cam because i was this, <laughs> don't you think that Matt is phil and, like, and, and i was like no i think i'm cam and then i laid out my case and then i remember like her mom going yeah i think he is more cam
0: and i was like yes we got one <laughs> so it's
1: like a whole like a family-wide argument oh man that's so much. But she's right. I'm, I'm definitely more Phil, but I'll never admit it. I'll never <laughs> admit it publicly. In terms of family-facing exchanges, I'm fucking Cam, dude.
0: Yeah, dude. And i I mean, look, they're they're grown-ass men believing in me, Cole Hardman. So you know, <laughs> it's uh, it's it's wild out there, Matt. It's wild out there. You be Cam if you want to be Cam. I love Cam. You want to do a show? Let's do it. Cause I'm a man.
1: I'm 40. I go to bed at 10 o'clock. I'm an East Coast dad! God damn it!
0: God bless Mike Gundy, man. That's. (laughs)
1: I'm a man! I'm an East Coast dad! I'm 40!
0: I'm
1: fucking Cam, dude. Is it pistachio or pistachia? I don't trust a damn feature of that face. Pistachios are not sponsoring the show. Forbidden Fruit of Nuts. It's between 70 and 75. I was thinking 69.
0: 69 and a half, 69 and three quarters. We'll get as close to that line as humanly possible. Check with me! Check with me! Check with me! Check with me!
1: No one will trust Ronald Jones. You can't trust Ronald Jones in the running game. You can't trust Ronald Jones in the passing game.
0: Just just get out, get out the operation game. Adam's apple. I know Matt Rudd's in a lot of high-class circles, so, you know, any anybody that's listening to this for the top-tier content, it's Ritz Bisashia.
1: I'm a man. I'm an East Coast dad. I'm 40.